0: Good morning. Good afternoon. No, it's still morning. All right, get myself together here. Good morning, EJ. I'm so glad to see your sweet face. Good morning, Micah. Good morning, Katie. My Katie. Morning, Dave. We're you know I'll do this all morning, so. <laughs> hey, they started it. So this morning, if you have your Bible, please open it to First Samuel seventeen. Whether it's your Bible, your iPad, follow along with me because we're gonna we're gonna read. The story of David and Goliath together and I'm gonna share some of the things that popped out at me. Yes ma'am. 17. No. David and Goliath. No. I'm just going to start from the beginning here. Um, the Philistines gathered their armies for battle, and they were gathered at Socoh, which belongs to Judah, and encamped between Socoh and Ezekah in Ephes And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and encamped in the Valley of Elah and drew up in line of battle against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side with a valley between them. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion whose name was Goliath. Um, Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span, which is nine feet, about nine inches. Um, he had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail or armor. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze, which weighed about 125 pounds. Yeah. Uh, he had bronze armor yeah. on his legs yeah. and a javelin of bronze yeah. slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, which I do not know what that means, but I imagine it was quite large. And But the spearhead was, I think it said 600 shekels, which weighed about 15 pounds. So he had quite heavy armor on him. And uh, let's see, he stood and shouted. Oh, also, he had a shield bearer who went before him. So he had someone carrying his shield before him when he was in battle. Uh, Let's see, he stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and they were greatly afraid. So, of course, this is a giant. He's a nine feet tall man, and I don't think I've ever seen someone that tall. Um, he had really intimidating armor on him. And this army of Israels were they were just really afraid. Of course, they were. Um, so enter David. Now, David was the son of an Ephrathite of Bethlehem in Judah named Jesse, who had eight sons. And... In the day of Saul, the man was already old and advanced in years. And the three oldest sons of Jesse had followed Saul into battle. And the names of the three sons who went to battle were Eliab and and Abinadab and Shema, And David was the youngest. Um, The three um, eldest, they followed Saul. But David went back and forth between tending his dad's sheep and um, serving Saul. So in chapter 16, if you go back... Uh, David would play his lyre for Saul to uh, appease or to bring peace to Saul, who was being tormented by an evil spirit. And during that time, they, they formed a relationship. And uh, Saul made David his armor bearer. So he would serve back and forth between the the sheep and Saul, serving him and holding his armor for him. So... Let's see. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So just to, well, the next verse says For 40 days the Philistines came forward and took his stand morning and evening. Well, it actually says 40 days, yeah, and took his stand morning and evening. So every morning and every night for 40 days, Goliath would come out and he would taunt and mock and challenge israel to a fight and every day the same result that the army of israel would be scared and they'd do nothing uh, so after all that jesse and uh sent his son david or said to his son david take for your brothers an ephah of this parched grain and these 10 loaves and carry them quickly to the camp to your brothers also take these 10 cheeses to the commander and bring some token from them so basically dad's sending a care package to his sons and he's also feeding the commander which is great Um, and then he just wanted David to come back with some news like any good parent wants to know what's going on with their kids so um, we're getting to the good stuff promise hang on it's just important that I feel like we need to get the whole context of what's happening here. Because um, there's some good stuff coming. So, Saul, and, now Saul and they and all men of Israel were in the valley fighting with the Philistines. And David rose early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper and took the provisions and went. As Jesse had commanded him, um, he went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the encampment as the host was going out to the battle line, shouting the war cry. And Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle, army against army. And David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers. And as he talked with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before, and David heard him. All right. And this is what the Philistines said. All the men of Israel, when they saw the man... Well, wait a minute, that's not true. Let me see what's going on. Okay, so David came, or Goliath came up, gave his spiel, David heard him, and all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were much afraid, and the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give, his, give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And this is the part that I love. David. And David said to the man who stood by him, what? What? shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? He's appalled. This is absurd. What is happening here? Do you not know who we are? Why are you allowing this man to mock us? Why are you allowing him to scare you? Um, the people answered him in the same way, "So shall it be done to the man who kills him. So uh, let me get this So why is it, do you think? that David could see what nobody else could. He saw this big giant, and he saw him. He saw the enemy through God's lens. He wasn't looking at him in the natural. See, David knew who his God is and was at that time, and he knew that this giant, was not any foe for his God. And how do you suppose David knew that? First, I think it's important to understand, and I think most of us know that David spent a lot of his years, even up until this point, tending sheep. So that means he's out in the fields, alone with his sheep, worshiping the Lord, just talking to his God, getting to know him. Uh, also, I think it's important to note that in this, uh, chapter sixteen thirteen, David was anointed king. So at this point, he's already anointed. And according to a commentary I read, David was probably 12 when he was anointed king. And at this point, he's probably about 17. So even though he's been anointed, he's not the king yet. So, But I want to read what chapter 16, 13 says, because I think it's really important for us to understand for ourselves as well. Uh, let's see. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward, and Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. I loved how this version said that the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David as soon as he got his anointing. Friends, when the Spirit of the Lord comes upon you, rushes upon you, whatever word you want to use, something beautiful happens to you. And suddenly... The power of the Holy Spirit's in you. And you suddenly have this great understanding of who God is. Now, I'm not sure if David had the scrolls, if he knew God's word. I'm I'm not sure of that. He may have. I don't know. But what I know is that he spent much time getting to know his God, talking to him honestly and openly about how he feels about things. And in return God spoke back and shared who he is to this man and in that when that happens at any time you're gonna get you're gonna have understanding beyond comprehension so I think that that in a lot of ways is why he could see what the others could not and I want to stress how important that is. I know we all know that. And I know that um, spending time with the Lord is not easy to accomplish. We all have schedules. We have children to take care of. I'm very sensitive to that truth. We have jobs to get to. And then there comes that very um, truth, that thing that I wish weren't true, but um, we get tired and it's hard sometimes to make that time to spend with the Lord. But I think, what I felt the Lord wanted me to stress that, yeah, good quiet time with the Lord is really important. But what he really wants you guys to understand that it doesn't have to be that traditional what we see as quiet time. The Lord just wants to be a part of our lives. He wants to be, he wants to be with us where we are. So if where we are is cooking dinner or shopping at the grocery store, or if where we are is changing a diaper or putting wires in a wall to make communication happen, whatever that is, take him with you. Invite him into that. And I would even encourage you to invite him into your playtime. Kids, this is for you. If what you enjoy doing is playing soccer or playing video games, or coloring, or whatever it, whatever it is you like to do. Maybe some of you like to climb trees. Invite him with you. Because there's much to learn about someone when you're doing something with them. So don't get caught up that your quiet time has to be quiet, per se. Now that's important. I'm not saying to disregard that. We need to have that focused time. But invite him into your daily, whatever that is, and get to know him. And then watch how your mind is opened up. So this revelation comes to David. Verse 28 goes on to say that Eliab, is, uh, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, what have I done now? Was it not but a word? He's getting chastised by his brother for speaking truth. How often does that happen? Unfortunately, a lot. Um, And he turned away from his brother and towards another and spoke in the same way. And the people answered him again as before. I'm going to move on, and then I'm going to come back to what Eliab said. And then when the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth. And he he has been a man of war from his youth. Yeah, when we're doing things for the Lord, we're gonna hear of yeah, a lot of yeah buts. You're too young, you're too old, you're too short, you're too tall. We're gonna hear a lot of opposition from our friends, from our family, from our leadership maybe. Um, Again though, if you know who you are in the Lord, You can do exactly what David did. I also want to bring up with that note that we have that kind of opposition, but there's another liar in our midst, and he's the real enemy. We all have our our physical enemy that we can see, those hindrances we have in our lives, but there's a real enemy, and he hates us. He's God's enemy, and he's the devil and his cohorts. now, see, David was hearing all of this from these people, but he knew truth. And you have to uh, you have to know our, our God. We have to know our God in order to know truth, but we also have to know our enemy. And he, the Bible tells us, is the father of lies. He's constantly in our ears. And For some reason, I don't know if this is true for all of you, but I know it's true for me. Um, It's really, really, really easy for me to believe those lies. I'm usually, well, no, no. I used to be in agreement with him a whole lot more. But the more and more that I learn what the truths are that God says about me, the more and more I feel like I could stand up against the enemy. Church. It's important that you know truth. It's important that you know what God says about you because this world and that liar is gonna try to beat you down because he wants to keep you from your calling. He wants to keep you from being victorious in the Lord because we are. We don't lose and he knows that. But he likes to convince us that we do. So it's important to distinguish between those two, the truth and the lies. And if you're feeling bad about yourself, it's probably not the Lord. Because even when the Lord speaks hard truth to us, there's a love that comes along with that. And you just know, and it makes you want to get closer to him and not run from him. So that's one way to distinguish that lie and the truth. If you're feeling bad that it's not the Lord, because in the midst of his disciplining, He tends to comfort. Okay, we're going to move on from that a little bit um, just for a minute. Um, let's see. So David's response to Saul was this: "Your servant used to keep sheep for his father, and when there came a lion or a bear, And took a lamb from the flock. I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Picture that. Picture yourself in that part of the story. Bear, lion, got a sheep. I would be a horrible shepherd because I might say, "It's all right." (laughs) Just one. Yeah. No. And not only if if. He couldn't pull the sheep from this bear or this lion. He'd grab him by the beard. Now, I don't want to be that close, but David was. And he said, your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. This is the great part right here. For he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. See, David had experienced things with the Lord. He'd gone through some trouble sometimes with the Lord, and sometimes people were going to. Sometimes, though, I think mostly because... We know that God works all things together for good for those who love him. Those hard times are a blessing. Because if David hadn't gone through fighting a bear or fighting a lion, he wouldn't know the power of his God. So sometimes, please hear me. I don't like being in those circumstances and I have my share of praying those things away or at least asking, but sometimes it's good to just hold on tight to the one who loves us and go through it with him, because it's in those times that he shows us what he can do, and that empowers us. David was empowered so much so that this man, this giant, didn't faze him, and he knew. He knew with confidence, with this leader, this king. Was telling him, "You can't do this." He's like, "Oh yes, I can." And he said it. It wasn't blind faith. He already knew. It was trusting in his mighty God. Okay. This is a funny part to me. Um, then Saul clothed David with his armor. He clothed. Saul clothed David with Saul's armor. And he put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail, which or armor. And David strapped, strapped his sword over his armor, and he tried to, in vain to go, for he had not tested them, or he had never used them before. Um, then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Um, make sure if that's. talk about the armor a little bit. Did you guys know we have one? I know a lot of you know that. I know uh, Ephesians 6 is really well-known verse, right, or chapter. Um, let me get there really quick because I want to I wanna go through it. Um, up until two years ago, I thought it was a really cute thing to teach our kids, right? Just put on your armor, kids. It's an easy thing to teach in children's church. It's a fun little lesson, right? Again, it wasn't until two years ago I didn't realize how important. And that's not even a strong enough word. It's imperative to put that on daily. Um, Let's go through it. I want to. All right. This is the, the, this is the word of the Lord. This is what he wrote to us about the armor. <sighs> Sorry. Dry mouth. Fish. Okay. Fish. He says this. Fish. Chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It's pretty clear. This is not put here to be cute or have something to do with our kids. He's telling us that we have a spiritual enemy who is always on the prowl, who always wants to strip us up. And really, his goal is to steal, kill, and destroy us. That's what he wants to do. That's his mission. So why, if you know that that's true, because God tells us it's true, it's nothing that I'm making up, why wouldn't you put on this armor that God has provided for us? I'm telling you, we, it, it has become part of my life every day to put this thing on because when I don't, I feel it. So I'm going to encourage you also as parents, grandparents, every day put it on with your kids and let them know why. They have to know they have an enemy too. And then teach them how to use it. So we're going to go through it really quick. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm. Um, Then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the... Well, let's stop there because this is start with the belt of truth. When I put this thing on in the morning, I asked the Lord... Hi, babe. Thank you for wanting to share that. Um, When I put my belt of truth on, I ask the Lord to remind me of a truth and even better truths that he wants me to know for that day. you got to know what he's saying about you. you got to know what he says about himself. That really helps. So when you put on that belt, ask him, and he'll share. Um, And then with the breastplate of righteousness, righteousness in place. I love to put that on and remind myself that I'm clothed in Jesus's righteousness. What kind of truth is that? This has nothing to do with me or my good deeds or my righteousness, which is like filthy rags, except for, well, that was thrown away. My own righteousness has been thrown away and Jesus shared his righteousness with me. So when I put that on, I ask him that I would remember that And I would walk in that righteousness, that he would remind me when maybe I'm not. Because that righteousness is power too. And it's a great covering for all of us. Um, Then with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Now, that might sound like I I don't know why, but I struggled with readiness. What does that mean? And in other versions, it's the preparation. And, And I'm sure there's deeper meaning, I don't know, but just that when we put those those shoes on, like we are ready. We are closed with the truth of the gospel. And the gospel in its purest form is that we're friends with God now. We're no longer his enemy. We're his friends. And that, again, it's a powerful thing in that We should be confident to share that truth with people. It should be confident to share that this one, who I was rebellious against at one point, is now he calls me his friend. He calls you his friend. And you know what a friend does? A good friend shares his secrets with you. A good friend tells you what he's doing. That's what he did with David. David knew what was going to happen because they were friends. You've become his friend. When you've accepted his salvation, when you accept the gospel, what Jesus did on that cross, we're his friends. And you can confidently say that, even if you're not a very good one, because sometimes I'm not. He's far better than I am, but it doesn't matter. He's working that through me. He's helping me be better. But he's such a good friend. He makes up the difference, and we can trust that. Let's see. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith. The shield, you got to take up the shield of faith. Um, I'm going to bring up this movie that I love. It's Wonder Woman. I want to be her in the spiritual realm because she is brave, and she is compassionate, and she is strong. And in this, this certain uh, part of the movie, uh, she kind of goes off mission because she has a heart for people, and she knows that there's people enslaved um, let me set it up a little bit. So they're they're in they're on a battleground, basically. And then there's the Allied side, and then there's the German side. And they've all taken up their fronts. And in between, there's a land that they call No Man's Land. And uh, she heard that on that side, you have to go through No Man's Land to get there. There are people who are being oppressed and enslaved by the Germans. And she couldn't have that. And when she told her team come let's go save these people they said no that's not what we're here that's not our mission she couldn't she couldn't live with that so she took it upon herself to cross the line and go into no man's land um, she you know the enemy shot a bullet or thought that would take care of her but it didn't she has you know the shields on her wrists awesome and then yeah so then, okay, so she's walking boldly, confidently. She knows she's going to get on the other side. And they start seeing that she's, she's a force to be contending with, right? So they start shooting at her even more so. And so she pulls out her shield. This reminded me of Jill's lesson last week about standing firm. She pulls out her shield, and she keeps, at first she was running, and then she starts walking, and then the barrage is just too much. And so she stopped. She put her body be- behind the shield, and then when it got even too much for that, she got on her knee, and she stayed behind there and kept the bullets from hitting her. And then her team, you know, they pulled it together, and they came, and they defended her. But I, I just love that picture that I-, I saw, what Jill told us last week about standing firm, how she-, she didn't keep, you know, she didn't try to keep going. She knew she couldn't. She knew her limits. She stopped, and she stood her ground, and she hid, not hid. She was just using her shield to protect her. That's what we have. That's what our shield of faith is. It's our protection. We have to use it. It's real, because their, their darts are real, people. So use it. Put it up when you feel like you're being attacked, and you can't take it anymore. Use it. And then... And then um, take the helmet of salvation. Put the, here they put it together. Take the helmet of salvation, salvation and the sword of, spirit, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Okay, I like to take a little bit of time with this because my mind is where the enemy really likes to hit, right? So I have to remind myself to renew the mind because for some reason it likes to revert, revert back to the old way of thinking and I have to catch myself all the time. So I make sure that I renew that mind before I put on that helmet because that helmet, it's going to guard your renewed mind. And I believe that that's where I am able to see people and see circumstances with God's lens. When, I, when I'm walking with that renewed mind and when I have that helmet, that salvation which has, which has freed me and freed you from sin and death, when we take on that salvation, understand that we are no longer in bondage to sin. Like that chain is broken. I could just walk away from the sin. I, I just love remembering that. And again, I just love that my mind is protected by Jesus's salvation. And then I take up the sword of the spirit, which is God's word. This is our, this is our weapon. And we need, um, well, below when it talks about, you know, taking up the, the spirit, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And it says, pray in the spirit with, on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Prayer, we all know it we come to the house of prayer. We know how important God, or talking to God is. We have it on our walls. It's preached to us every week. Prayer is important. I, I did a study on prayer one time, and um, it, it talked about this armor, and it talked about prayer. In that time, there weren't really cell phones, but it's our walkie-talkie. It's our, it's our communication with our commander-in-chief. So you're going to put on the armor. That's awesome and you need to but you need to be in contact with the one who is giving us our instructions daily it's important and again it doesn't have to be anything it doesn't have to be grandiose it doesn't have to be an event it's just simply Lord what's for today what's up for today and let him tell you Um, all right so Church, we you learn nothing else today, put on your armor every day. Teach your children what it is and how to use it. Okay, let's see where we are. Oh, one more point I wanna to make to that armor thing. David couldn't wear Saul's armor. You can't wear my armor, I can't wear your armor, we can't wear Rick's armor. We have to put on our own. And I think with that, I want to include this. We have to stop looking like somebody else. God has made us uniquely and wonderfully and fearfully. And he wants us to be ourselves. I'm not going to look like Michael. I'm not going to pray like Emmy. I'm not going to preach like Rick. Just not. I'm not supposed to. God has made us all with great gifts and great talents and personality and own it. Be in agreement with the Lord when he says it's good. If there's some tweaking that needs to be done, he'll do it. You could trust him with that. But be confident in who he's created you to be. Don't try to be someone else. All right. Uh... All right. So after David took the uh, armor off in verse 40, he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth, smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand and he approached the Philistine and the Philistine moved toward and came near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him For he was but a youth, ruddy, and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, more lies, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to beasts of the field. David wasn't fazed because he knew. He knew truth. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the hosts of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. Again, David was friends with the Lord, and he knew exactly what was going to happen. And he was not intimidated by the enemy's words. When the Philistine arose and came up and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in the bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of his sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and Judah rose with a shout and pursued the Philistines as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron so that the wounded Philistines fell on the way from Shireem as far as Gath and Ekron. And the people of Israel came back from chasing the Philistines and they plundered their camp. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem and he put his armor in his tent. That everything that David said to Goliath happened. David, Goliath was killed that day. His head was cut off with his own sword. And the birds got a good feast that day. The truths that the Lord just wanted me to reiterate to all of you. Each one of you have an identity in him. Each one of you have a calling. Ask him what it is, because he wants to share it with you. i tell you one thing, we're all called to make disciples of men. That's for certain. We are all called to do God's purposes. Don't belittle him in you. We're all important in his kingdom. We all have a sphere. So don't belittle Those people in our lives, they matter to the Lord. So don't belittle that. Don't belittle who you are, because it all matters. Remember that you have an enemy, but remember this beautiful truth you have authority over the enemy. You have God-given authority, just like David did this day. The enemy cannot have victory over us because we belong to God. I am his, and he is mine. And you can say the same thing. There's power in that. When the enemy tries to belittle you, tell you you're no good, Counter that with the truth. Always count. Don't, don't, don't give in. Because you give him a little and then he takes a whole lot. Always remember, but God, no matter what circumstance you have, we all have them. Sometimes they're really, really, really hard. But God is bigger than all of those issues. And then when he says to stand firm. Stand firm in him and know that he's always with you. But I've also learned to lean on friends. We have good ones around here. People who are willing to stand with you and fight with you and don't let pride get in the way of you getting help. If you need someone to pray for you, a whole room of people who are willing to do that with you. Remember that you are victorious. Okay? I think that's all I have to say about that. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. So go, go and be blessed and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. That was awesome. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Just before we go, I want to speak already just what's going on up there. I had kids up there, so I'm a little more attached. But it's basically something God needs to intervene.